Nathan Radke that just spoke. That was co-host. Nathan Radke. Yeah. Hi, and Nathan Radke. And there's Lee Kuhnland. Hey, yeah. Kuhnland. Hey. <laughs> Our intros are getting a lot looser. That's yeah, right. Looser. But wait, we have to introduce oh, Elena Papianis. Oh, I'm Elena Papianis. Yeah, hi, guys. I said hey, they were getting looser, not everything. <laughs> not better. Or, not better. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what are we talking about today? I'm a little bit of a, I'm a, little bit of a slacker today. I I summertime. I think we got a, it's almost a correction of sorts, right? We're in alien uh, season right now. Saucer summer season. Oh, (laughs) nice. We're in saucer summer season. Yep. And uh, our last podcast uh, started with the origin stories of aliens at Roswell. But wait, there was a much earlier event that took place. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I still stand by what we said, that the modern origins of UFO theory can be traced to 1947, 1948 with incidents like uh, the Roswell thing with uh, the Mantel incident. I I still maintain that that's where we draw our inspiration from. Mm -hmm. However, we're going to talk about an event today that takes place about five or six years earlier than that. And this is an interesting one because the question is, did aliens actually attack an American city? I feel like this is super fitting right now because, as we were saying before we started recording, uh, we're in a kind of alien conspiracy, what would you call it? Well, the technical name, when uh, there's an increased uh, interest in UFOs and aliens, technically this comes from Project Blue Book and and people like uh, Captain Ruppelt, it's called a flap. We're in a flap. Flap. We're in a flap right now. A saucer flap. Hmm. Yeah. In fact, this is the first saucer flap that I think that we've been in since we started studying conspiracy theory. So That's fla- pretty cool. Flap here being an uptick in interest, p- more people more, are seeing more sightings, stuff. It's in the media more often. Do you think um, usually people are aware when they're in a flap or it's only after the fact? I think normally it's only afterwards that you look back and say, hey, you mm-hmm. know what, guys? I think that was a flap. So historically, if we look through the record of alien sightings, you're saying then there's been sort of peaks and troughs in terms of how many, there's been periods where people saw a lot more, periods where people saw a lot less? Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, In the early 50s, of course, it was a flap. Uh, It sort of calmed down a little bit in the 60s. In the 70s, it picked up again and you saw, uh, again, a, a UFO flap in sort of the late 70s. Maybe in the 90s, although that was more caused by uh, TV shows like The Mm X-Files, there was a renewed interest. And then we hadn't had one for a long time. I think in part because uh, the American government has been releasing a lot of files and videos lately that seem to indicate fairly clearly that either American fighter planes have been chasing UFOs, which would be bizarre, or the American government wants us to think that American Mm -hmm. fighter planes have been chasing UFOs which would also be pretty bizarre. And yet there would be precedent for both of those things, right? Of course. <laughs> as we talked about uh, last episode and as we will talk about next episode. next episode. So let's then go back in the way back machine and find out what happened in 1942, which is maybe the earlier origin story. Yeah. Okay. So let's, aliens. let's, let's set the stage. 1942. Uh, Alana, in general, what's what's going on in 1942 in America? Early 1942. Early 1942, while it would have been in the United States coming right off of Pearl Harbor, 1941 mm-hmm. in December. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm a little bit sick. So there was a lot of fear and paranoia and, well, discrimination towards Japanese Americans, too, probably at the time, um, because of it. So, yeah, Pearl Harbor had just happened, which had drawn the United States into World War II. And that ha- that was a like a genuinely devastating attack. Yes. Not only militarily, because so many of the, uh, a lot of the American battleships were destroyed, very symbolic act, and also psychologically, mm-hmm. Americans now thought, well, we can be touched. We can yeah, be touched by these wars. Yeah, they were newly vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. Which is an unpleasant feeling, I would imagine. In the same way that I feel like our generations closer to us, 9-11, would have been that experience where like suddenly they're vulnerable again. 
Yeah. I remember yeah. those analogies being brought up actually during oh, really? 9-11 yeah. where people were like, nothing like this has happened since Pearl Harbor. Right. This is like the next big attack on America. Yeah. On any given day out of nowhere, something awful can happen. Mm-hmm. And of course, for a lot of people throughout history, that's a fairly normal state of affairs. But it wasn't normal for the people of the United States because even though there had been terrible European wars, mm-hmm. none of those European wars had really reached across to touch continental United States. No, and for civilians, it would have felt kind of inexplicable, even though politically, you know, it's there are explanations in the same oh, way yes, that, you know, the blowback and reasons behind 9-11 and everything. Um, so in the same way, there's, you know, context for it. But as a civilian, you don't necessarily, you're not necessarily privy to all that context. No, the average American citizen doesn't understand the socio-political encounter between uh, the imperial japan and the united mm-hmm. states and all of the the background that goes into that so what is the relevance of pearl harbor to this story that happens in los angeles what six months later three months later <laughs> three months later <laughs> imagine this imagine you're in la oh, lee imagine so you're nice. in, you're in la you're like okay. an aspiring starlet and okay. there's all these celebrities around you. No, you know none of them because you don't know any famous people. Yeah, okay. yeah. The, t- your career isn't going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. You're 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 just hanging out at coffee shops trying to get noticed. Yep. But this actually sounds a lot like my real life, except for the starlet part. Sure. Now, after a particularly difficult week of trying to get noticed by a big time producer, mm-hmm. so that Lee can break into the moving pictures, he's asleep at night in his bed in Los Angeles. He's a little bit nervous as he goes to sleep because, as Elena talked about, there was a lot of fear. There was a lot of paranoia. Some of it was even justified. There had been an attack uh, uh, not too far from L.A. by a Japanese submarine a few days earlier. It was a wildly ineffectual attack and nobody was hurt and almost no damage was done. But it was still an attack and psychologically that makes a difference. So a, a, a submarine, what, surfaced and started shooting the coastline or something? Basically, it surfaced like <laughs> okay. a half a mile out and then just fired about 20 shells and damaged, I believe, a baseball diamond. Right. Again, a, is sim- that, is a that, symbolic victory. Can you even damage? Yeah, how is that possible? How do you damage a baseball diamond? <laughs> it caused nothing ten, there. It, it caused tens of dollars a of hole damage. hole in the fence? I don't know. <laughs> so, but from a psychological perspective, that's still, oh, kind, yeah. of, still kind of scary. Well, especially after Pearl Harbor, as you say, right? Like this stuff is still happening in some way. And so they're on alert. Like did air raid sirens, I assume, or something would have gone off during that attack? Well, the entire city this night, February 24th, 1942, the city is blacked out because there has been a warning Mm. from the uh, U.S. Army radar stations saying that there was a possibility that maybe there would be some kind of aerial attack on the city that night. And so the city was all blacked out. Uh, They were under something unfortunately referred to as a yellow alert. Mm. And then at 3 a.m., Lee, you would have been awoken from your beauty sleep by the terrifying sound of explosions. And not just a couple explosions, but hundreds of explosions going off. So this is not directly related to this story, but I have actually had that experience in real life. When I exactly uh, when I moved to Taipei, Taiwan, and was having my happy beauty sleep on an evening which I did not realize was Chinese New Year. Oh, man. And at two o'clock in the morning, fireworks started going off. And it wasn't the kind of like it that they were like pop, 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 yeah, kind yeah. of fireworks. Mm-hmm. And they were right outside my window. And I was absolutely convinced that we were being invaded by China. That would have been very wow. frightening. It was frightening for uh, uh, about an hour yeah. until I like had enough courage to actually look, <laughs> look out, out the, the window. window. <laughs> like, it's beautiful. I, I thought I was going to get my head So you shot thought up. that if, if China was invading, if as long as you didn't look at the window, you'd be okay. I thought so. Yeah. It's okay. I'm under the covers. <laughs> wow. Anyway, so I can, I can say from experience, that is a pretty frightening thing sure. to wake up in the middle of the night to these things that sound like explosions, gunfire. Yeah, you don't know how to make sense of it. Your body is like in this heightened state. You're totally disoriented, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. So your 1942 version rushes to the window a bit earlier. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> when you look out the window, what you see is that basically the sky is now brighter than the city because the city is blacked out where the sky is lit up with explosions. Wow. And not fireworks explosions, but 
like heavy shells that have been fired off by anti-aircraft batteries around the city exploding in the sky. There is chaos. You can hear screams. Uh, you don't know what's happening. And this went on for probably about a half an hour as anti-aircraft uh, batteries frantically fired into the air at something. This was not a drill. Mm-hmm. This was some kind of attack. And this, sorry to inter- interject this, but this legitimately happened. Yes. Like this is not just, oh, somebody thinks that there was maybe somebody shot something. No, this is like oh, no, this, this all occurred. of LA is lit up at night from yep. anti-aircraft artillery being fired up there. Yeah, they are basically unleashing hell into the skies above Los Angeles. Wow. And I should be completely clear, these are the um, these are American anti-aircraft guns that are firing mm-hmm. into the sky. It, th- these explosions are coming from American soldiers. From the ground, Co- yeah. From the ground shooting into who, the sky. Who are firing at something. Firing at something. They don't know what. The next morning, people wake up. There's wreckage all over the place. There have been some fatalities from this attack. There have been hundreds of injuries from this attack. Somebody's got to have had a heart attack. Yeah. 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 There was some heart attacks. There like was some car accidents. Like broken bones, uh, yeah. car accidents from people just driving frantically around the city. In well, a blacked out city. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah exactly. Blacked out city, everybody frantically running around scared. People are gonna What get, could possibly go wrong, yeah, right? People yeah. are going to get hurt. A radio announcer ran into an awning and cut his face. Right. A police officer ran past a window of a shop that had a light on. And because it was against the rules to have the light on and he thought an attack was happening, he kicked in the window of the shop to turn mm-hmm. out the light and cut his leg. Uh, an air raid warden fell off a wall. An air raid warden sprained his ankle from jumping a fence. And an air raid warden fell down his stairs and broke his arm. Mm-hmm. So a lot of, mm-hmm. a lot a lot of, of chaos. A lot of panic. That panic then uh, carried on into the next day. And this is something that, Elena, you had referenced earlier. One of the effects of the Pearl Harbor attack was a massive increase in anti-Japanese uh, sentiment. Mm-hmm and prejudice and outright racism. Yeah, didn't they gather up all like Japanese people in town? I read something that's like gardeners, and yeah. I forget what other groups the, that they gathered up to try it because they thought they were responsible for it, or they knew information. They were signaling to the attackers. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. They thought it was horti- nighttime horticulturists and gardeners... Yep. who happened to be Japanese were were suspected of up. yeah were suspected of signaling uh, the, what was assumed I guess by some to be a Japanese attacking fleet mm-hmm. um, and yeah well uh, and one Japanese man was well he was a, an American man but he was of Japanese descent right. uh, was arrested with a truck full of cauliflower oh man those sirens are we just added for effect are, yes. yeah, yeah we call them in yeah. And that was, of course, part of a larger amount of anti-Japanese panic that mm. basically dominated both Canada and the United States for the entire Second World War. What happened, though? What was that attack? Well, here's uh, the next day. The LA Times uh, carried the following paragraph. And this, uh, I, I want to read this in an old-timey accent, but I'm not great at them. <laughs> Roaring out of a brilliant moonlit western sky, foreign aircraft flying both large formations and singly flew over Southern California early today and drew heavy barrages of anti-aircraft fire. Fire. <laughs> the first ever to sound over United States continental soil against an enemy invader. It's pretty good. Sounds Excellent bad. accent. And uh, if we look at some of the eyewitness accounts at the time, a lot of people did see a bunch of aircraft. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is from the staff editor at the Los Angeles Herald Examiner, Peter Jenkins. I could clearly see the V formation of about 25 silvery planes overhead moving slowly across the sky. People reported that aircraft had been shot down. There were people who had seen aircraft hit and then crash into the city. However, once uh, the massive large-scale investigation of it occurred, no plane wreckage was found. And no. what about, what about, sorry to interrupt, the okay. object itself. So I'm going to post this photo, this epic photo. Um, so there's all this, you know, all these shells being fired at it. Did it ever come down? No, the only wreckage that was found was wreckage that was caused by exploding anti-aircraft shells. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are large, they're like bucket-sized bullets, basically. I think I read they were 12 pounds a piece. Yeah. Or maybe even 12 kilos. Like, they're big Mm -hmm. suckers, these things. Yeah, that's a lot of metal that you've thrown into the sky. So all of the damage was done from LA's own guns, ultimately. Although, I mean, Elena, to your point, there might be radar 
signals, right? So even if nothing comes down, there might still be an indication that there was something up there. Well, there had been radar signals at about 2.25 a.m., about an hour before the attack. The U.S. Army radar did detect something approaching the coast. Mm -hmm. However, during the attack itself, the radars detected nothing. Nothing. Hmm. The question is, what was this? And of course, because of the time period, because it's early 1942, the most reasonable answer for a lot of people is that this was another Japanese attack. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's address that possibility. Was this a Japanese attack? Okay. Was it a Japanese attack? Was it a Japanese was attack? Was it a Japanese attack? <laughs> now, this is where... This happens a lot. This happens in basically every episode we do, mm-hmm. except for the Kurt Cobain one. I tried to work it in. <laughs> I figured how to work it in. This is the part where I nerd out and talk about airplanes yes. at great length. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so if the Japanese were attempting to attack mainland United States, it would have been extremely difficult to pull off at that time. Well, they could use submarines. They could use submarines. In fact, there have been Japanese aircraft attacks. Ooh. Now we've got... Now we've got airplanes flying over. It's working out really well. There were some Japanese aircraft attacks from aircraft that were launched from submarines. Oh, really? Uh, Yes. I didn't know you could do that. In February, actually, of uh, 1942, the Japanese sub I-17 surfaced half a mile offshore Santa Barbara and fired off about 20 shells, caused some damage. Nothing really happened. In September, the I-25, instead of firing off shells, launched a single tiny fold-up aircraft. Whoa. Which is as terrifying as it sounds. Single tiny fold up aircraft. Like you one know of those that. fold up bikes? Basically, yeah. like a fold up bike, only yeah. it's, an, it's, a, it's an airplane. Huh. Uh, and it was sent to destroy. Do you have to like unfold it before it hits the ground or something? Like they launch it, and you've got like five well, seconds before. Well, you surface, you, you sort of take it out of its box, you unfold it, and then you launch it, and it was going to destroy the forests of Oregon. Huh. But it was slightly damp that day, so it didn't work. <laughs> Also, in November and December of 1944, 2,000 balloons were launched again against uh, the forests of Oregon and basically oh, yeah. the whole West Coast to try to just start fires. And Right. What is it with the forests of Oregon? Well, like, it's a big target. Yeah. And, I mean, forest fires can be very devastating. Right, okay. Mm-hmm. And, finally, there was something called Operation Storm in 1945 when, and this is incredible, three giant Japanese submarines, the I-400 series. These were the largest submarines ever constructed. They were immense. They were submarine aircraft carriers, like proper, Mm -hmm. not even fold-up planes, but like legit planes. Wow. And the idea was that they were going to uh, sneak through the Panama Canal, maybe attack the Panama Canal, with the intent of eventually bombing New York or Washington, Hmm. D.C. Now, this didn't happen. The attack was called off. One of the I-400s was sunk, and the other two were captured by the U.S. military. Hmm. So there were some attempts by the Japanese to strike at continental United States. However, at the time, there's only two ways they could have done it. They could have done it with uh, the main Japanese bomber at the time, which is the G-4M Hamaki. A very, very fast aircraft, a very beautiful streamlined aircraft... It was extremely long-legged. It could fly a long distance, but it still only had a range of about 4,000 kilometers, about like 2,400 miles for our American listeners. And to go from Japan to L.A., that's almost 9,000 kilometers or almost like 5,500 miles. So even on a suicide mission, you can't fly that bomber from Japan to L.A. Could you, sorry, could you just take a... craft carrier out there like go halfway that's an excellent question lee thank you now if you wanted to <laughs> if you wanted to take an aircraft carrier then you'd be looking at air, smaller aircraft because of uh, course you can't oh, okay. launch a g4m hamaki from an aircraft carrier of course, of course. Gonna, everyone knows when that. are you gonna start your airplanes 101 podcast nathan later today I think. okay all right so then you'd be looking at a small single engine plane like um i mean the classic Obviously. 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 Obviously is the a 6 I know what you're going to say. I mean, you know. The A6M. 6M. Ryzen. Okay. Or as it's conventionally known, the Zero. The Zero, right. Now, very famous plane, also very long leg, could fly pretty far, could carry a reasonable bomb load for a fighter. But you're still only looking at a range of about maybe 1,800 kilometers, maybe about 1,100 miles. To get an and, aircraft and you've got to get carrier, back to the aircraft, and you got to get back too, to the right? aircraft carrier. So to get an aircraft carrier that close, 
the Japanese submarines had gotten that close mm. to continental United States, but an aircraft carrier fleet would not be able to. They're giant. They are very obvious. It's pretty easy to pick them up on radar. They were also extremely expensive, and they wouldn't have wanted to waste a weapon like that just to scare the people of L.A. Right. The other reason, of course, is after the war, uh, the Japanese government was asked, so did, did you guys bomb us in 1942? And the answer was, no, we did not. Which is a believable answer because they didn't deny Pearl Harbor. Yeah. Right? I mean, if, if you, you, you might wonder, you know, can you believe a former belligerent in a war? But, I mean, they, they yeah, we, we did Pearl Harbor. We did not go to L.A. Yeah. And also, at that point, the relationship between the Japanese government and the American government was, you know, it was fairly workable. And but, so... They, they had no reason to lie about that. No. But I do like your approach of first just going through the mechanics of the airplanes so that regardless of what they say, we know what the real answer is. Yeah. And it, then... It just seems super unlikely. They actually, they would have had to have flown from secret bases on the United States. Right. Which to some people were worried about. Sounds yeah. like another conspiracy theory podcast. Well, some people were concerned that the Japanese did have secret bases in like Kansas, but there mm. was never any evidence for that. Hmm. So what are the other explanations for this? What was What is this shape in the sky? Well, at this point, because I think we can dismiss the idea of it was a Japanese attack, then we can move to what we discussed earlier on. And this is where we should talk about this famous photograph. Now, Elena, could you... I, I love this photo. I yeah, want to get a poster in my house. This is a great photo. Could yeah. you describe... My printer's running out of ink, so this isn't a very good version of it. Could you describe this photograph, which is a real photograph that really appeared in the Los Angeles Times? Right. Mm -hmm. So on the bottom of it, it's kind of this, like, I guess cityscape or some sort of landscape you can see on the bottom. And then in the sky, there's some, you know, some cloud shapes, but set uh, just off center uh, in the sky, there's this glowing light. And from the ground, from the cityscape, there's these light beams, these huge lights that are being that are all being shone that converge on this one uh, spot in the sky. And above this spot in the sky, there's some specks of of brightness as well. That would have been the shell firings, right? Yeah. And and what does that object look like? Oh, it looks like it looks like a classic UFO-ish shape. Yeah, yeah. it's like a classic 1950s-style flying mm -hmm. saucer right there. And I have to admit, and I, I'm not sure how clear this would have been to the newspaper readers uh, of the day. Certainly, when I looked at the photograph, it didn't. It wasn't clear to me that that those were spotlights beaming up to mm -hmm. the object. It 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 could just as well be the object beaming down spotlights onto the ground. Well, and especially because, as Nathan said, it was retouched so that the 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 beams don't continue past that shape. So that, it, it does look like it could be this object shooting yeah. these lights down, for sure. And that is suspiciously like a UFO. Mm -hmm. I mean, that just looks like some... that That is the kind of, you know, sci-fi nightmare where the, you know, evil aliens come in their space, suddenly wake mm -hmm. up and you look out and they're there hovering above your city, with kind beam, of looking yeah, with at a beam you. beam down. And so, but... <clears throat> Sorry, it was very common for photos to be touched up for newspapers and things, right? Yeah, I mean, not for necessarily for any intention, but just to, make, like you said, to make it clear. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Now, what's interesting to me about this photograph, it is a great photograph, and we'll definitely be putting up on Instagram mm -hmm. and stuff, is at the time, nobody looked at it and saw a flying saucer. Because huh. at the time, it was before 1947, We didn't even have that word. Yeah. We didn't have the word. Yeah. We didn't have that idea in our culture. Mm -hmm. So... When people look at it now, you see a flying saucer, but when people looked at it the next day, they did not. Which is even scarier in a way to not have a name for what that thing is up there. Yeah. Did Just, they, though, think, oh, this could be aliens? No, it was pretty much universally decided that it was. It had to be the Japanese. Mm -hmm. Right, okay. Because that was the fear. Like, what you see is affected by what you think, and what you think is affected by what you're afraid of. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the dominant fear at the time was a Japanese attack, so people looked at this shape right. yeah. saw a Japanese, Japanese attack. attack. Right. We look at it now, and we clearly see a UFO. Mm -hmm. Now, in addition to the, the photograph, there was hundreds of eyewitness accounts. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately... Eyewitness accounts are... Oh, terrible. They're not accurate at all. Yeah, they're the worst. Uh, because the, according to the eyewitness, here's what happened that night. There was a single plane and hundreds of planes. 
It was a few thousand feet up and it was 20,000 feet up. It was extremely slow. At the same time, it was going 200 miles an hour. It was a balloon. It was blimps. Airplanes were hit and crashed and the objects were hit by shells and were immune to them. Those are all the things that eyewitness accounts mm-hmm. saw. And of course, the problem with eyewitness accounts, when you have so many of them, is you can basically take whatever it is you want to be true, mm-hmm. and you're going to be able to find something that corroborates with that. Mm-hmm. If you want it to be a Japanese attack, you could say, okay, it was hundreds of planes at 20,000 feet moving 200 miles an hour, and some of them were hit and crashed. Mm-hmm. If you want it to be a UFO hovering, you can say, oh, it was a single plane a few thousand feet. It was very slow and it was immune to anti-aircraft shells. Like it's like a buffet. It's like the Mad Libs yeah. or yeah, buffet of, yeah. But what's interesting as you are now describing this, I, I, it feels as though because there are so many sightings that it, it actually legitimates the entire narrative right because people did actually see something what they report as seeing is different but everybody can agree that something weird went down at 3 a.m last night we heard it we saw it you know i feel like there's that double-edged sword of the eyewitness account on the one hand uh you have all these people giving such wild each other exactly such contradictory evidence and yet you have so many people Right? The, the day before, you didn't have half the city waking up at 3 a.m. being like, hey, something really weird went down mm-hmm. last night. It was only that day. So I totally take your point, Nathan, that this is not really, you can't hang your hat on, on what the accounts say. And yet I feel like it really gives the story legs when everybody did see something. Yeah, I believe those people who said what they saw. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that people were making stuff up. I don't think people were lying. I think they were trying to, as accurately as they could, explain what they had seen and what they remembered. Mm. Unfortunately, two of the things that we have learned about humans in the last few years is that our perceptions and our memories are both just terrible. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, there's been so many interesting experiments that have been done that have shown how easy it is to implant false memories. Like, we're always retconning our own memories, Mm -hmm. to use a term from... I think movies. Uh, it refers <laughs> retconning. What is retconning? I, I wasn't going to ask. I was just going to pretend I knew. Yeah. I was like, uh-huh, I mean, sure. I know the nature of our memories is that every time we remember something, we're recreating it. We're like putting it back together. It's not like it's this thing we can just access unadulterated. Mm. Well, like imagine if you've got a superhero and his origin story is a bit problematic in modern times. Mm-hmm. And I think this is probably true of Captain America. I bet you if you look back at Captain America, there's going to be times in Captain America's history where you're like, oh, that's oh, not yeah. good. Like maybe he's fighting hippies. Yeah, <laughs> for <laughs> sure. Or he's interning Japanese people Or he's interning Japanese the war. people. Yeah. And so that's going to be something where in modern day you're going to be like, oh, that can't work. Yeah. So retconning, which refers to retroactive continuity, oh, means that you go yes. back and you figure out some kind of explanation. Mm-hmm to explain why this is no longer problematic. Mm -hmm. So you switch it around, you say, oh, it wasn't really him, or it was a clone, or whatever. It's like revisionism. Yeah, which we do in our own memories all of the time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Particularly, what's amazing uh, is if you've ever had a relationship not work out, definitely the other person's fault. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, they're always always perfect. Uh, If you've ever had a relationship work out, what you have to do after the relationship ends is you have to go back into your memories and like tweak it. It's a lot of work. It's exhausting. So memory is bad. Eyewitness accounts are are bad. But I agree with Lee that like a bunch of people saw something and something weird did happen. The question is, what was it? We didn't think it was a Japanese attack. Where did you guys land on a UFO, like an alien attack? I, I don't think it's likely. Yeah. All right. Hot take. Hot take yeah. from Elena Papianis. Uh, well, we covered it last last yeah. in our last podcast, right? And we here. all look. What was I here? Not here for that one. No, I you wasn't were here. here for you that were one. definitely what? here. I know whose yeah. memory is worse oh, now, right? Yeah. Yours or mine? Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, a, a memorable podcast. Yeah. Elena uh, had allergies for a bit. Sworn you guys did one without me, but maybe not. But we all believe in UFOs. Yep. We all believe in aliens. Yep. Yeah. We just don't believe that UFOs are aliens or that aliens have come here. I, I so I would side with Elena's succinct. <laughs> <laughs> so you know what I was distracted by? I heard that noise outside again, and I was like, "Is that a mockingjay or actually a baby crying now?" I think it's a yeah. baby. Because or before we heard, a, we heard, we heard, oh really? Be a bird. So that's why my mind is sort of half there and half listening. Yeah. 
So I didn't know apologies. they could do that. Oh, well, yeah, mocking He says there's one here that imitates a car alarm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how they get action. They imitate other bird calls or anything else. It's so funny. Oh, they're God. great. Right. Uh, hold what? on. Where, what are we doing? Sorry, I was just trying. I distracted no, no. you from your hot take. No, I agree with Elena. Yeah. That, was, a that nice, was my hot take. That was a cool take. Yeah, I, I agree with Elena. How about you, Nathan? I think if aliens attacked us, we'd be in trouble. If they had the capacity to get here from another planet, yeah. they would definitely have the capacity to wipe us out. I also think that, just sort of in general, alien invasions don't make much sense. If you have the kind of reason, because normally wars are fought over resources. Mm, right. If you have the resources to get here, like the resources of Earth would be... Here they come now. <laughs> I guess normally I close but that door. you can train, yeah. yeah. If you can, if you have the resources to get all the way to Earth, then what good are the resources of Earth going to do? It's totally. like, oh, great, we picked up some gold and water. Yeah. Big deal. Like, unless we're stomping on their ground somewhere, but so far I don't think we have. We haven't. But it's us. Yeah. It's, we're so, sp- I know. It's, it's us. Measly. Yeah, see, that's right. What, that's what yes. I feel like it always comes back to, this <laughs> idea of it's like. Wouldn't yeah, they but, want to colonize and take us over? I mean, we're so fabulous. And also, I think psychologically, it's that, what is that, transference, where we think we would invade other planets. That's right. right. That's right. Therefore, we would do it to you guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. Projecting, that's yeah. the one. All right. So, no, I don't think it was. I don't, don't think this think particular I think transference one was is when we develop emotions for each other. Oh. Like when psychologists and ever like patients develop emotions so that would be a very different alien human dynamic sure yeah i could see that's that another podcast well, yeah. oh boy yeah that's what that'll be that'll be our late night podcast yeah when when aliens and humans transfer <laughs> all right so what could it be then what is the possible explanation and so we've taken a japanese attack off the table yep. and by that account can we take off say, a German attack. I mean, I know there's yeah. maybe a certain amount of just endemic racism, so maybe Japanese, mm-hmm. especially Pearl Harbor. But, I mean, we uh, America was at war with more than Japan, so it's not going to be a German attack. No, it's not same, going to be same a, problem a, with technology. I mean, I attack. could get into the German aircraft right now. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> but I won't. Okay. Uh, so we take off airplane attacks. Probably not UFO, mm-hmm. alien UFOs, for the reasons we talked about last time. Yeah. So then what are we so left what with? What are we left Something with? Something happened. I think what we're left with... I'm going to say weather balloons. Well, actually, they did say weather balloons. In 1948 and in 1983, there were investigations of the incident by the U.S. military, and they both came to the conclusion that it was, in fact, weather balloons. But I don't... I am always... Whenever now... Yeah, yeah, whenever now I hear weather balloons, I, yeah. I almost get more suspicious. I'm right. like, I, I, I actually believe that it wasn't aliens until you said weather balloons. Right. And, now, and now I'm suspicious I don't you know, said weather balloons. Because yeah. that's like the, the, the go-to cover for everything, it yeah. seems. I mean, if I went... Uh, to my partner's house and she's like oh where were you and I said weather balloons that's right <laughs> she'd, be, she'd be like mm, that's, that's real suspicious um. <laughs> what we're left with is a combination of maybe it was something like a weather balloon but mm. why would the entire city erupt into fierce violence over a weather balloon mm. it couldn't just be that what's the missing piece and I think the missing piece is probably psychological rather than physical mm-hmm. you mean People thought they saw something or were afraid, but didn't actually. Like it wasn't, it wasn't what they thought. No, this I think might be an example of something that we've seen a lot in history, and that is mass panic. Mass panic. Now, Lee, you've been in some mass panics, some small scale <laughs> mass panics. <laughs> I have been in small scale mass panics. Uh, well, you started some, haven't you? <laughs> Lee, Lee is a yeah. mass panic. That we will keep. Out of the podcast. No. Um, one really silly one. This actually happened to me. The other one, I just remember being in the city when it went down. And it was actually a legit mass panic. Maybe I'll start with that one. So a couple of years ago in Toronto, we have in this in the late summer, we have this event we call the X or the Exhibition, which is like a carnival fair thing. It's pretty big. Um, it attracts a lot of people, both from the city and from around the city. Uh, runs for I don't know, like two, two weeks. Two weeks. Or it's something. a signal that the summer is almost over. That's right. You got two weeks of summer, and you know that when it's over, yeah. school starts. Yeah. You got yeah. And it's um, also it's a one, sad time. It's, it's a, a sad, sad time, fair. and that's why the food at the X is extraordinarily bad for you. Oh, yeah. it's just like deep fried Mars bars with ice cream on top. I had like, deep yeah. fried Coca Cola there once. Oh what? my! Yeah, I know. I don't even know how you do that. No, no. It wasn't. 
it wasn't How that good. How do you do that? It was like... Well, I mean, that's that'll be <laughs> for a foodie podcast. What are you even left with? That's a thing. It was we like can't bread it and you breaded bits of like infused Coca Cola batter. Coca Cola really is amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't like it, but you can use it to like make pennies disintegrate. And you... there goes our Coca Cola sponsorship. Okay, okay, okay. Where were we? I anyway? like a nice cold Coca Cola, maybe once or twice a summer when Cha-ching. it's really. Cold outside. Yeah. Look, I look, mean, look, hot look, outside. Refreshes me. I haven't had one in about twenty years. Yeah. I imagine if I had one now, I'd think it tastes like battery acid. Yeah. Probably. Right? Uh, but it wakes you up anyway. Mass panic. Mass panic. So the X. X at the exhibition. You can tell this is the summertime. I love how off topic we're getting. This is terrible, right? To get off topic again. Uh, it, so what happened was uh, somebody started to run. They had heard a gunshot, and I mean, I was just saying this before we started recording. I have kids. If if somebody if I think somebody's firing mm-hmm. a gun, I'm not going to stick around to find out if that was my, the correct interpretation of events. Yeah. I'm getting the hell out of there with my kids, right? So I think that's what a lot of people did. And people started to run. And other people noticed that people were running not in a fun, happy way, but in a kind of, oh, my God, I'm grabbing my kids and running way. And it started uh, a stampede which led to a mass panic, which led to them having to shut down the place. And you know when stuff is serious when there's money involved, right? And sure. and they, I think, lost upwards of a million dollars for having to shut down that fairground for that Was anybody day. hurt in the end? As far as I know, no. I think there was like I sort of minor... And bruises. Yeah, yeah and that kind of stuff, like minor injuries. And, yeah. But I mean, nothing happened. There was no shot fired. Right. Somebody got scared. <clears throat> They scared others. And, you know, you just kind of make, I think you make that calculation, which is part of what goes into mass panic. I don't have enough time to figure out what the real situation is. Better side with fear because that'll keep me alive. Totally. That's our natural human instinct, right? In that like fight or flight moment, you're probably just going to flee. You don't know what's going on. You, there is some possible explanation for it. It's more dangerous for you to stick around. Exactly. So you're going to take off. I was on this. This was the one I was actually involved with. I was in the subway car. It had been around 2005, 2006 when there had been terrorist attacks in subways and that kind of stuff. And our subway car stopped at a station and didn't move for quite a while. And suddenly I noticed that people were covering their faces as though they smelled something. And then other people noticed that and they started to leave. And then I thought, well, I'm not going to be the idiot who sticks it around during like some kind of terrorist attack. I'm going to leave, too. Mm -hmm. Nothing happened. We all just missed our subway, which I don't know. We're all late for work. Yeah, we're all late for work. But I get it. Right. I get I get this sort of like it's a very human thing. Yeah. And and we always want to err on the side of caution. And so. So you're woken up at three o'clock in the morning to yeah. like ballistic missiles being fired into the sky. I mean, you know, you're going to see something mm-hmm. that's serious. Not only that, but your your eyes are going to be sort of bleary. There's going to be bright explosions and you're going to see things in those explosions. Not only that, I mean, Lee's examples, I think, are good because it, it sort of points out just how contagious emotions are. We are such a social animal. Mm. I, I can think of lots of times when... Have you ever been in a crowd that got ugly? Yes. That's scary as hell. Yeah, because it happens so quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've been in some riots. I was in the G20 riot uh, here in Toronto. Were you guys there for that? No, I think I was in England then. Oh, you missed out. It was I, a good riot. I was there for the Saturday, but not the mass arrest on Sunday. Oh, okay. Luckily, I got to miss the mass arrest. Yeah, I, I remember being at the corner of... We're getting really local now because we're... Mm-hmm. We're all summer chill. So I was at the corner of Spadina and Queen and everybody was happy and marching and had goofy signs and stuff. This is a downtown intersection. Downtown so it's a very, you know, it's a busy place in, in yeah. the city. Yeah. Then all of the sudden the crowd turned and people were smashing police cars and people were okay. smashing in windows and it happened almost immediately. Wow. Because there are certain emotions which are far more contagious. I think ennui, the more complicated emotions are not that contagious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, what would you say are the emotions that can immediately transfer from person to person oh, in a crowd? fear, yeah. anger. I think probably those two yeah. are the, the main ones. Yeah. Fear and anger, those the most sort of primal yeah. feelings. And when you're afraid, when you're angry, your brain kicks into a different gear. Mm-hmm. 
and you feel threats and if you feel threats you will see survival that's i mean i celebrated i went to the raptors parade only at the beginning with my daughter at the x which we've also talked about that we are the 2019 champions champions nba champions of the the world ever of the world it's the best i mean we aren't well, we can well, kind of. vicariously we are. Yeah, we are. Yeah, sure. We are. Okay. We are. All right. And so I just took my daughter to the begin the very beginning where like there's less people. It's great. The the parade is literally just starting there. And then I took her back to school and it was fine. I considered going downtown, but then seeing those herds of people just made me anxious. Yeah. Yeah. And there ended up being a scare. There were some unfortunately there was a uh, there were shots fired. Yeah. Yep. And the announcer, as the Raptors are on stage talking, he had to try and calm the crowd because you could see waves of people moving back and forth and panicking and trying to leave. And when people are shoulder to shoulder, people can get hurt and stampeded and trampled. And like, and so even though there was a real incident, he had to still tell people to calm down and relax to be being taken care of to avoid a mass panic. There were like probably close to 3 million people in the whole downtown core. But they did avoid a massive panic. They did, yeah. And I think part of the reason is exactly what Elena just said. Another quality that humans have, not only are our emotions very contagious, but another quality that humans have is that we tend to listen to authority. Mm-hmm. So in this case, just because he had a microphone, he was an authority, totally. and people were like, okay, we will listen to We trust to this. you, yeah. But unfortunately, think about the battle for Los Angeles. What are the authorities saying? The authorities are saying, we are under attack. Mm-hmm. The authorities this are is saying, real. this is a yellow alert. And so in a situation like that, our tendency to listen to authorities can really steer us into panic. Of course, we've already talked about the historical situation. People were very frightened. People felt unsafe. Uh, And obviously the effects of mass media, because the next day there was all of these stories about what had happened. And so somebody who maybe they woke up, maybe Lee uh, woke up at three o'clock in the morning and wasn't sure what he saw. But then when he Mm -hmm. read the newspaper accounts that said it was in tech then his brain, his memory will turn that into an attack. Hmm. Maybe I'd throw out, and I've probably mentioned this in previous podcasts, but just, you know, if people are listening to us, I mean, we're talking about uh, this stuff like mass panic, patternicity, fear, quite, you know, as though these are established psychological facts. And in fact, they are. You know, there's a lot of work that's been done on this by peer-reviewed, published psychologists and others um, who are you know well known and 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 good in their field? Who've looked at this stuff with like Michael Shermer, for example? He's one of them. He does TED Talk videos. You can look them up. Talks about how these cycle like there have been tests that demonstrate these psychological tendencies mm-hmm. in us. So we're not just ad libbing here on like oh this was my experience. People or, peeps be like this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this yeah. is actually you know I mean we're trying to add some flesh to it mm-hmm. with our own personal examples, but these are you know, documented psychological phenomenon. phenomenon. And the other thing that I think is interesting is that there would have been a vicious cycle caused by the (laughs) anti-aircraft weapons themselves. So let's say one guy gets spooked and he fires into the air. Mm -hmm. Then all of the other people are going to see that somebody is firing into the air and they're going to start firing into the air. And in the same way that uh, one person running will cause a bunch of people running, one person firing into the air could cause a bunch of people to fire into the air. Not only that... But the explosions and the smoke and the shrapnel and everything will then provide like a richer field in which you can see things. Mm -hmm. Because now all of a sudden there's a puff of smoke. Maybe that puff of smoke is a plane. Mm -hmm. There's an explosion. Maybe that explosion is coming from an attack. Even though maybe you were the one who caused the explosion by firing your gun in the air. So I have seen... Um, other renditions of the picture that Elena talked about, ones that have been subsequently touched up to try and see, is there something there where the spotlights are converging? And if there is anything, it looks like a cloud. Yeah. So it it, it does make me think, especially given that there's all these shells around it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, if you are firing anti-aircraft shells all in one place, I'm guessing they're going to get some kind of smoky, cloudy... Thing, right? And, and Elena had mentioned that the photograph was retouched. And one of the ways it was retouched, as she said, was that the spotlights didn't strike this object and stop. They right. went through it almost as if it was a semi translucent thing, <laughs> almost as if it was a cloud. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, is that where we're going to land on the, on the great 1942 battle for Los Angeles? That's so crazy. Well, I, 
Yes, yeah, yes and no. I mean, I feel like even though I dismissed Elena your explanation earlier about a weather balloon, just I throwing think, it out there. No, I think there's something to this. Um, well, that could have been a spark. It, yeah, that that's caused this. Right. like the the fumes were the historical situation uh, because they didn't the recover sp- anything though. No, yeah, no. I mean, and like you fire fourteen hundred shells at a balloon. Yeah, <laughs> it's not going to be. You're not going to recover much. Good point. That balloon's um, going to get shredded. You guys have really put the historical situation. That kind of. Um, Im- emotion that people are bringing to their night in February of 1942 into play. And I think that that really, if you, if we now add to this, that there was a weather balloon that may or may not have had a flare attached to it, which spooked one of the commanding officers who was already because of all the alerts kind of, uh, and, and Pearl Harbor and that other submarine, uh, that, you know, destroys a baseball diamond. Everybody is waiting for that next attack uh, now you see something, you kind of get spooked. You just need one person to get mm-hmm, spooked. Totally. That person says fire. Now everybody's in a panic. That kind of makes sense to me. Now, the part of the reason why it turned into such a controversy and such a conspiracy is, and this is not uncommon when an event happens and people are sort of scrambling around, the Secretary of the Navy at the time, Frank Knox, said it was a false alarm. But the Secretary of War, Henry Stinson, maintained that aircraft had been in the skies. Mm -hmm. And so all it takes is that kind Mm -hmm. of discrepancy from officials for people to say, that gives us enough of a crack to say something else must have been going on here that looks like a cover-up, when actually what it probably was is, these guys didn't know what they were talking about, but they had to say something. Yeah. What I also, and I hope I'm not already steering us off a very interesting point but what i what i also thought was really interesting with this is how and this is also to your earlier point elena about revisionism how we don't just do it with ourselves but how now the ufo conspiracy movement has sort of absorbed this as part of its own narrative Mm -hmm. because we did introduce this story in saucer season and at, at this point, we've come down with, no, it's probably not a flying saucer. And the people at that time didn't think this. But today you can find a whole bunch of um, YouTube commentators, UFO conspiracists who are now reincorporating this story into that legend of mm-hmm. uh, UFO and alien visitations on Earth. And, and it's really interesting how that works. All right. Well, we're going to continue with saucy summer the saucer. Sp- sp- flap. Season. <laughs> Season. Oh boy, <laughs> the flappy summer saucer season. It's not even noon. We haven't even been drinking. No. Speak for yourself. Maybe that's maybe <laughs> oh, that explains it. But we will continue with saucy summer. Yep. Saucer summer. Saucer summer. Flappy summer saucer season. Well, we're going to get into some fairly serious stuff next time because we're going to get into Area 51. We're going to get into some genuine conspiracies. We're going to get into some sort of unpleasantness that the American Air Force pulls off. This is the big one. This is the big one. I can't wait. In the meantime, we should probably quickly do our plugs for social media. Okay. And any shout outs if we got them? Oh, um, oh yeah. Okay. Uh, well, you can find us on Twitter at The Uncover Up, on Instagram at The Uncover Up, on Facebook at The Uncover Up. Uh, let's see if there are any. We got an email. Ooh. Oh, we got an email. Address. Oh, oh. I, thought, I thought we got an email. I thought someone Address, sent us an sorry. email. Yes. That's how the kids say it. No? I never remember the email address. We have an email email address. Podcast at theuncoverup.com. Nice. Um, let's see if there's anyone here. Uh, yeah, let's let's shout out some people that have liked some of our Insta stuff. There's Daniel, should I say full name? Or Der Bishop, I guess, on Instagram. Yeah, is, just give the handles. Uh, there's Thanks, Der Bishop. Giovanni570. Hey, Giovanni570. Francis Thanks for listening. Margell. Margell. Uh, Hi, Francis. Diaz520. Hi, 520. Uh, 520. Yeah, it should be 420, no? Uh, who else is new? <laughs> we are in Canada. Some other new people. Uh, Len, well, Len Kruk. So we got a lot of we got a lot of people in Instagram. Hey Len. Thank you for following us. Thank you yeah. for following us. I'm going to give an extra shout out to the gelato makers at yes. Death and Venice. Um, who, and pastry makers. We ate and some. Well, yeah. I was talking to the gelato makers today, but they make gelato and uh, pastries there. And they're not our official sponsors, but we're eating their food anyway because it's delicious. Yeah, but mm-hmm. you paid for it. I paid for it. Right. Mm-hmm. I paid for that food. Right. So they don't own us. They don't owe us <laughs> anything. But they were interested in the podcast, and I thought I'd say hi. Sure. Hi, guys. Hey. Thanks for the panel chocolat. It was real good.
that's a bad name. Psychological phlegm? Yeah, that would be good. Yeah, I could see that. You know who I saw the other night? Psychological phlegm. <laughs> they were terrible. I should show you the they list. S- Me and my best friend in high school, Liz, we still found it, uh, recently found a list that we had made of band names. Oh, man. Yeah, like a, just a whole page of them yeah. crammed in there. We circled our favorites and put yeah. stars beside them. And I have to find it. I just found it. And can can you remember any of them? good ones. Uh, it was no, the 90s, I can't. so. There no. were so many. That but, was like peak band names. Yeah. Exactly, and it was a teenage girl who... Totally. And a friend who's figuring it out. There's got to be yep. some gems. I'll, in I'll there. find them. I'll, I'll, <clears throat> I'll text her about it later, and I'll find find them. Okay. In fact, there has been a, a Hollywood movie made called The Battle for Los Angeles. Right. Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. For. For Los Angeles. Oh wait, no. It's called Battle L. A. Or Battle, Battle Los. Uh, That's so awkward. I looked that this up. Very awkward. Like Anything up. with a Battle colon colon. In it is awkward. Um, is it a Sorry. Spielberg? Wasn't <laughs> Can it or you something? Take that out. <laughs> Can I take out your colon? <laughs> no. Battle. That I mentioned that. It Can is, you take out my joke? It is the summer saucer season. <laughs> Battle of no. I think. It's Wait, just, who who did it? Who did the film? I don't know. But try IMBD. IMBD Battle oh, wow. LA. Or UMDB. This part will get edited. Out. Yeah, please do. This oh is too God. loose even for us. Yeah. World invasion colon battle Los Angeles. Maybe. What a terrible title. That is. Yeah, there, there, there you are. World Invasion. Battle of Los Angeles. Huh. Battle of Los Angeles? Battle of Los Angeles. Yeah, there's Battle of Los Angeles is the event, as I yeah, understand Yeah, no, but it. when I see and it, when I see the actual film thing, there is a little of oh, there. there. 2011, but when I look it oh, up... Here, yeah, on the IMBD, yeah there no, it doesn't say it. There's no up. Huh. Maybe this will not interest no. any listener. <laughs> this Battle of Los Angeles film, Wikipedia. There we go. Okay, so... My point was, they made a movie called Battle of Los Angeles, and it was about aliens. Okay. All right, so then it just becomes part of pop culture. Right. Yeah. 